Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, episode 84. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am your host, Casey O'Rourke positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and podcast hostess here today to bring you some inspiration, information, hopefully wrapped up in a really entertaining package. I'm super excited about today's show. I have Jamie Glowacki on the show. She is the author of Oh Crap Potty Training. (laughs) We are going to talk about all about potty training, potty training do's and don'ts, potty training, how to make it ever uh, easier, more helpful for your children. We're going to bust through some of those potty training myths, such as readiness. Um, We're going to talk about fear of release, the difference in genders. Is there one? Should we be going cold turkey on the diaper? Uh, I'm so excited. Jamie is hilarious and awesome and and full of really powerful information. She is your go-to potty training gal, and she's on the show today. So really excited that I get to introduce her to you all. Thank you so much. If this is the first time that you're listening into the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here and that you found me. And um, if you've been binge listening to the Joyful Courage podcast for a while now, yes, thank you. Thank you for being my supporters appreciating each and every one of you on this parenting journey that I too am on and really, really excited to hear about what your takeaways are from today's show. So let's meet Jamie. Hi there, Jamie. Welcome to the Joyful Courage podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. Please share with the listeners a little bit about your journey of doing what you do. Okay. Well, I, I didn't want to be a potty trainer when I grew up. This wasn't like my big goal. <laughs> um, I actually, I was a uh, social worker in San Francisco and I worked with dual diagnosed moms. So they had mental illness on top of substance abuse. And uh, I was not a mom. I was not aware of the mom culture or the mommy hotspots. And I just knew that potty training was an issue. I had clients with diapers, you know, they were four years old. And I mean, these women didn't have a lot of money to begin with. I was like, why are you paying money for diapers? So I interviewed hundreds and hundreds of moms, my mom's age, you know, the the last generation. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, I found how to potty train. I took all their information and I weeded out the abusive practices. And um, so I learned how to potty train. I learned how to potty train these kids. It was part of my job. It was part of my salary. I did not think anything of it. Fast forward, I have my son. I moved back to Rhode Island and my son was 22 months. And I told, you know, the other moms that I hung out with, I was like, okay, I'm out for a week. I got a potty train. And it was the first time I I was met with this wall of you can't potty train a boy at 22 months. That's impossible. And I I looked at them like they were crazy. I was like, yeah, you can. This is what you do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I took my, I took my week and I potty trained Pascal and I swear to God, Casey, he was like a rock star around Providence. Like we'd go into Whole Foods and people would be like, is that, is that the boy? Is that the little (laughs) baby that's potty trained? And I was like, 
the heck? It was the weirdest thing. And like playgrounds and everybody. So at the time I owned a kid's store um, in, in my neighborhood and people would come in and ask, you know, are you the potty training lady? So I started holding classes mm -hmm. and I, the classes were selling out. I started charging more. They were selling out pretty soon. People were coming in like not to buy clothes, but to ask me about potty training. And I realized it was, it was my very first inkling. People would come in and say, Oh, can you just tell me the trick? Mm -hmm. and I was like, dude, no trick no trick. It's a process A to B to C to D. Oh, I need the trick. So then I said, okay, well, let me write this. Let me write this down for people, you know, yeah. <laughs> couldn't make my class. So I wrote it down. It was the bare bones of what it is today. And I put it on a website. I think at the time I didn't know how to cut and paste. And I made this website to give you an idea of how horrible the website was. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know, it just, you put something out on the internet and it started to sell and pediatricians were using it and calling me to ask permission to print it out in their waiting room. And all of a sudden I was on the map and I found myself answering potty training questions more than I was attending to my store. So I sold my store and I became a full-time potty trainer. <laughs> <laughs> full-time potty trainer. <laughs> yes. So I like to say I'm famous for crap and this is not lost on any of the people in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so interesting because um, like before we get into your kind of the underlining philosophy, I have a boy who when I he was my second child and I looked in, I, I heard about elimination communication, mm -hmm. um, which is for listeners who don't know, it's this whole movement around no diapers and checking, like being really in tune to your <laughs> slightly obsessed with your child's cues, which I was, you know, at home most of the time and could do. And um, anyway, I mean, we didn't, we weren't hundred percent diaper free, but he was potty trained at 18 months. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't tell people that because I got so much pushback from other moms of boys, like it, yeah. it kind of pissed them off. So yeah. I just kept it to myself and carried on. So it's interesting yeah. to hear your story about that. It's hard. It's a really, it's up there with, I'd say like vaccinations as yeah. a hot topic. And it's, it's one of the things that happens, you know, um, one of my cardinal rules is don't pay, post on Facebook when you're about to potty train, cause you're going to get so much conflicting comments. And I don't know why, but it's one of the milestones that everybody feels they're an expert on. Yeah. And, and so you get this incredible kickback. And I mean, I'm just, I'm a real person. I go out, I hang out. I'm at parties just the other day. I was at a baby shower and it comes up, you know, what I do and people just get so defensive, you mm -hmm. know, well, I, I'm doing this and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I'm at a baby shower. Like I'm not working. Right. I don't like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I'm not judging you. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think there's a misconception too. I always, you know, um, people, because I'm of, of the internet and everybody's opinions is I actually, I really don't care when you potty train your kid. Like I'm not one of those people who are like, you've got to do it now. But I have worked with so many thousands of people mm -hmm. that you see patterns. Right. And, you know, one of the things is that it's just, it's so much easier the younger they are. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, I get a lot of kickback from that about pushing or they're not ready. And I'm, it's kind of crazy. Cause I go, well, you know, what are you looking for when you say they're not ready? Right. And it's, it, it, you know, wait till they're ready is probably the biggest fight I battle. <laughs> right. Well, and I'm going to ask you a bit about readiness later on in the show too, because that was a question that came up in my community is readiness. 
Right. And what he, what that word even means. So we'll we'll dig into that. But before we go there, um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about what is so what is your take? What's kind of your underlying philosophy or co- the come from you hold when working with parents around potty training? The number one philosophy. So I often say I don't have a method. Like people say, oh, I used your method. And I say, well, I don't really have a method. Um, you have to take off the diapers. That's how you have to potty train. And so like, there's a lot of mucking up by the big diaper companies about, you know, pull-ups and using a diaper. And it's really hard to ask a child to learn a new behavior while they're actively involved in the old behavior. Mm. So having a diaper on a child and expecting them to not use it the way they have for the last two to three years is asking an immense amount from a small child. It's, it's an extended thought process that is really hard. So my biggest philosophy I would say is, you know, take the diapers off and deal with what happens. Mm. So, you know, all you hear about is what happens the minute you take off the diaper, not how you take off the diaper. My biggest thing I think is that this is a process and it is a learning curve. It's a new skill. And so we've become a 140 character instant gratification society. And we don't allow children to learn. I get emails from people who have been potty training for six hours and they're done. (laughs) And I'm like, when have you learned a new skill in six hours? A big skill, a developmental milestone. So I think the biggest philosophy I have is be patient, be gracious, allow some time, clear your schedule a little, even to free it up a bit. So you're not rushed around, um, trying to, you know, go to the potty, go to the potty and allow your child the learning curve. Yeah. I so appreciate that because whether it's potty training or listening or cleaning up. I think that we get into mischief when we think like, okay, I told them once how to do it and they're not masters at it. Like what's going on. Right. And we forget. You could say pee in the potty and they were all said, trust me, I would love to be out of a job. (laughs) That'd be, that'd be phenomenal if that worked. (laughs) Right. Right. So what are some of the, so, okay. So that misunderstanding around process and around time, what are some other Um, like what are some other things that you hear as, as mistakes that parents are making around potty training? And even as I say that, I'm actually thinking instead of mistakes, what are some, maybe we should switch that up to the positive. So what are some things that you see in your clients that they're doing well around pottying? Well, can I actually reframe it? Yeah, reframe it. I think not there's there's mistakes. There's just a lot of myths going around. Yeah, let's go there. Like boys are harder to train than girls. Total myth. Boys are almost easier to potty train than girls because they can pee just about anywhere with ease. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have to, you know, their penis can go anywhere. Right. And it doesn't pee all over them. Right. So that's, that's a big myth. And it took me a long time to wrap my head around that one. I could not figure it out. I used to, I used to buck up against it because it just kind of felt like people were saying that boys were a little dumber than girls. And, you know, I know that girls socially and emotionally, uh, develop quicker than boys, but this is at two or three that we're not talking about nine or 10. And then I realized I finally hit on it one day, you know, girls are, we're social, and we're social learners. So we're more apt to look at facial expressions. We're more apt to listen to praise or take criticism. And boys, the the male mind is much more linear. So I always say, if you're struggling with a boy and check it out, Casey, most of the time, the mom is in charge of potty training. Yeah. Most of the time, that's drastically changing at a rapid rate, but 
a lot of the times it's a female brain trying to, yeah. <laughs> trying to potty train a male brain. So I often say with little boys, if you're struggling, eliminate all chatter, like direct commands in the order you want them, like go, pants, sit, pee, up, <laughs> pants, wash. Like that's the most effective because like boys, it, it's blah, 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 blah. Girls respond to, oh my goodness, you're such a big girl. I'm so excited. Are you proud of yourself? Like girls really respond to that better in these big facial expressions. But boys are, are much more like, tell me what to do and I'll just do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Another huge um, myth that I hear out there a lot is put the potty chair out so they can get used to it. And I'd say that's probably the number one mistake people make. Um, outside of wait till they're ready, but I know we're going to get to that. Uh, so I always tell parents, you know, if you look around your house, the potty chair is the most innocuous piece of plastic in your home. Mm -hmm. You know, when you bought the exercaucer or the new fancy high chair or the new fancy stroller, you didn't sit it in the middle of your living room, letting them get used to it. <laughs> you, you used it for what it was meant for. So the thing I don't like about this myth is that there's an underlying fantasy going on. And so I just try to be really realistic with parents is most kids aren't going to do this on their own. They're not going to up and say, Oh, there's a miniature toilet. I think I'll take my diaper off and pee in it. And a lot of parents have that fantasy going on. So there's this hidden, I'm going to put it out so they can get used to it. And maybe I don't actually have to do this potty training thing. The big problem is it loses its magic, right? It's, right. It becomes a matchbox car storage, an art supply storage, a hat, a stroller, a basketball net. It becomes everything except a container for fecal matter. And I always ask parents, I said, it's cool if you want to leave it out for them to get used to it, but then you should let them play in the toilet too, <laughs> right? Like play in the water so they can get used to that. And Which, then of course, everybody's like, ew, why would right. I do that? You don't want them playing around. So I just say put the potty chair, and if you've made that mistake, just put it away till you're ready to potty train, and then it becomes the tool for this particular task. Right. Yeah. So then the other myth, readiness. Tell us about yes. readiness. Okay. I love where this comes from, and I think especially right now in our culture, this is a huge place of coming from the heart mm -hmm. of, I want out of the mommy wars. I don't want to push my child. I'm not going to teach him Mandarin at three. I'm, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. going to rush his childhood. And so I think it comes from a really loving place, but it's, it's mistaken because this phrase actually has a history and I'll get into that in one second. But I often ask people, I say, okay, you're waiting till they're ready. What are you looking for? And parents just look at me blankly because they don't know what they're looking for. So they think that everything's going to exponentially build. So they think if they get a P, let's say right before bath, they think, okay, well, that's great. Next month I'll get, you know, three P's in a day. Or maybe once the child says, oh, I think, you know, I have to pee. And the parents say, oh, this is great. This is going to build on its own. And it doesn't. It'll go away if you don't attend to it. So the phrase itself has a history. Um, in 1946, Dr. Spock was the very first mm -hmm. doctor to, you know, he released his first book and he was the very first doctor to say that children might feel pain if we abuse them and they might, uh, they might grow into maladjusted adults with that pain. He was the very first medical professional to suggest that children need affection to thrive. And he was met with outrage by the medical <laughs> community. So. so if you can think about that, like 
child rearing was kind of abusive in the prior to that, as well as potty training practices. So routinely infants were strapped to potty chairs till they bruised all day. They were left in their excrement for hours as a, you know, teaching mechanism. They were given soap suppositories to poop on command. So it, it was really, yeah, there was really some abusive stuff. So Dr. Spock comes along and he's like the grandfather of attachment parenting. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus, there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And of course, over the 60s, 70s, and 80s, that pendulum started to swing. And I believe it's at its peak now, that swing, where you know, children being the center of our lives became children being the center of our attention. And so we became children led and I'm a big hippie dippy. I homeschool. I'm all about interest led parenting, but you can't let your child run the house. Right. And so this whole idea that your child is in charge of their developmental milestones is kind of a strange one because we push 
these, you know, we help children walk all the time. The minute they start, you know, balancing, we grab their little hands. We walk, we toddle with them between our knees. You know, if a child picks up a book, we don't leave a stack of books in the corner and say, well, they'll get to that when they're ready. We're mm-hmm. an active participant in teaching them to read all the time. So the idea that, you know, there's this magic, this child's just going to one day up and say, I'm ready it's kind of, it it just doesn't happen. And more anecdotally in my work, I see nightmares because parents wait and wait and wait. And now the kid has to enter kindergarten and Mm -hmm. they were never quote unquote ready. So I like to go by capability. So I say, do you think your child's capable of this? Mm -hmm. And my sort of magic window is between 20 and 30 months. It can completely be done before and it can completely be done after. But I think that's the magic window between 20 and 30 months, because if you think about it, there's a developmental lull. So they've mastered, you know, they can eat, they can walk, they have mastered separation anxiety. So now they're kind of, the next, I don't know, 12 months or so, they're going to hone those skills. Yeah. Right? They're going to learn how to run. They're going to learn how to climb. They're going to learn how to really use a fork. So there's this lull that happens. And so it's the perfect time for potty training because the next developmental milestone is individuation. Mm -hmm. And that's when the child realizes they're separate from you. And once they realize they're separate from you, it is the age of free will and choice Mm -hmm. and largely no. Right, right, right. (laughs) And the three-major. And so you get all this behavior. So it's not the learning. You know, obviously the older a child is, the more capable they are with language, manipulating their clothes. That part, is generally easier, but now you've got a three-nager who literally holds all the power. They're, they're never going to hold the power in their own body the way they do right now. So now you, that's why it gets so much harder after three. Yeah. So that's why I say, you know, go for that developmental lull because the behavior, I mean, plenty of people potty train past three and they, they have a fine time, but that when you have a nightmare, it ends up being a huge nightmare because you've got all these power struggles and you can't have a power struggle with potty training because you'll lose. They have the power. (laughs) Right. And I just want to point out to listeners too, that you may have stories that fall on either side of the continuum. Right. I mean, and and I just want to acknowledge that as well. And so as you're listening, listen for the nuggets. And I'm hearing so many, Jamie. This is so great. I'm so glad we're talking about this because you are educating me as a parent educator because I field these questions all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But listeners, listen for those nuggets that applies to you. Right. So be listening for for connections that apply to you and what you're dealing with. Um, right now with your child. So I love the conversation around the myth of readiness and um, really appreciate that window because we like windows. We like numbers. We like to be told like this is when, but I really appreciating that that's a 10 month range. Yeah. Yeah. And that there's a lot of space there, right? There's a lot of space there. And I'm guessing that if you're a parent that's listening and thinking like, oh, darn it. Now I'm at three and a half. I'm struggling. Like a lot of the parents from my community that chimed in when I invited them to ask questions have older threes and fours that are struggling specifically around the pooping. Yeah. And I heard you talk about, I was watching one of your Facebook lives and and I'm going to make sure for listeners that all the links to Jamie are available in the show notes. But I was watching one of your Facebook lives and I can't remember if I, I have the terminology Right. But you talked, is it fear of release? Yeah. 
Yeah. So can I interrupt you for one second though? Cause I want to go back to what you, yeah, yeah. you were totally. just talking about how you, to all the listeners, you know, take the nuggets that you need. It's so important to remember in potty training, you have to, every child is different. You have to recognize that. So you might hear that your neighbor's kid took off her diaper, put on panties and was potty trained in a matter of hours. Your child is different. And so you have to remember that. I've never seen a milestone. We don't say, you know, oh, your child started walking, you know, a year and three days after being born, my child should start working a, a year and three days after they were born and it should take exactly the same amount of time. So we, but we do this with potty training, right? right. So I just want to, I just wanted to slip that in cause that seemed appropriate yeah. too. It's like every kid's going to do it different. And for you, for any listeners who might be freaking out that you waited too long, don't freak out. It's just better to know what battle you're fighting. You're not, you're not going to have to worry about the learning. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have to deal with behavior, which just looks different. Yeah. So it's, it's, I just like to prepare parents for what you're, you know, if you're p- going to potty train at 16 months, it's going to take longer because of the learning, mm-hmm. but you're not going to have any behavior because they're not manipulative yet. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Versus the three, almost four year old who's feeling, you know, noticing how micromanaged they might be and, and holding the pee and holding the poop is a great place to exert some power and autonomy in a life that might not feel like there's a lot of choice. Absolutely. Control, control, control. We always try to give the toddler as much control as possible because that's what they want. Yeah. 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 So, um, but let's get back to fear of the release. Yes. Thank you. I was, um, fear of the release. (laughs) I tend to talk about more in pee. So pee will happen. Um, it's very common, especially in the first week of potty training, you will, the child will willingly sit, go to the potty, no problem, sit and sit and sit and sit and sit. Nothing happens. Get up, pee on the floor. So there's (laughs) just an oddness. There's like a performance anxiety that happens. And that's where mostly I talk about fear of release. Okay. Um, and those, that you go back to your, you know, and I have YouTube videos on this. I have podcasts, I have blog posts. So there's plenty of resources, but you go back to old school tricks, you know, running water, mm-hmm. you know, sit and read a couple of books, uh, horse lips, <laughs> doing horse lips can help that loosens. Um, they use that in labor to help loosen the cervix. Uh-huh. So it can help sphincter muscles, um, tickling, laughing, pretending to blow bubbles. And, uh, and also if you're so inclined, if your trouble, if your child's really having trouble, you can put their hands or feet in some warm, warm water. And that usually creates a, the old slumber party trick. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought of that, but yep. Um, now with poop, poop is undeniably the most, uh, the biggest problem. It's the longest chapter in my book. I have a series of YouTube videos to sort of assess where you are in trouble of poop. The number one thing is that I see that's most common is there is going to be performance anxiety the first couple of days. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if your kid could have been a two or three time a day pooper, you go to potty train and suddenly there's no poop. And what happens is parents start to freak out and they start to escalate their anxiety escalates. Mm -hmm. They start getting high pitched. Everything about them screams anxiety and toddlers just latch onto our energy like piranhas. So if you're anxious, your child's going to be anxious and they're going to be like, well, mom, mom's worried about this. No way. Um, the other thing is think about how your child, most kids poop like squatting. 
Mm-hmm. or they're playing and they just kind of squat. And then we put them on a 90 degree angle potty chair. So a lot of times the anorectic angle, which is sort of like your poop shoot, mm-hmm. will actually get kinked. And so the poop can't release. So make sure your potty chair is a low one. I suggest the baby Bjorn mm-hmm. and not a 90 degree angle. So you want your child's knees up by their chest as much as possible. Even on a little potty chair, you could put books under there. Um, under their feet to get mm-hmm. their knees up. So that straightens out. Um, if you've ever seen any of the squatty potty videos. Yeah. Yeah. The unicorn ice cream one. Have you seen that one? I have not seen the unicorn oh ice cream God, one. Oh my God, go to YouTube like as soon as we're done. <laughs> Google squatty potty unicorn ice cream. It's like the inside of my head. Uh, but that, that's, that's what the squatty potty is all about. So, so whatever you can do. And another trick for that is if you put the child on the toilet, put them on backwards so that they, number one, their hands, they can, they can actually like read a book on the back of the toilet seat. They have uh-huh. something to do and hold on to, but they can also rotate their pelvic, their hips. And so, um, so do you, you mean rotate- like their feet are on the seat and they're squatted down? No, no, no. I'm kind of okay. not talking about a squat anymore. I'm talking about another trick. Okay. 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 Put it, seating them on the toilet. You know uh-huh. how we sit on the toilet Yes, yes. with our back to the, the back, Yep. turn them around. Okay. So that your hands are on the back of the toilet. Okay. But their bums on the seat. Got it. And then they can wiggle their hips around and find a good angle. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. And yeah, I'm like doing kids, it as we're talking. I'm like, my <laughs> kids, I know I'm totally picturing it. Uh, my kids did not, we didn't, they liked the cushiony like insert seat. Yep. And that's what we, that's what we used. I had little squatty potties. Well, they weren't technically squatty potties, but we had little potties because, you know, they were so fun to buy. Yeah. <laughs> but the kids, sit, and the, my son wouldn't even sit on the squishy insert. Like he would perch. <laughs> yeah. He would perch yeah. on the edge of the big toilet and we just had to, and actually it totally, he had to lean forward to balance. Yep. So it really simulated that, um, that squat yeah. that you're talking about. So yep. what about, and I'm guessing, I'm so excited to ask you this. What about rewards and, well, I even hate to say, and I know what you're going to say here, but what about rewards and consequences? Okay. Rewards and consequences. So I'm against rewards. I mean, rewards are just a popular way to potty train. Mm-hmm more than consequences. I'll get to consequences in a second. Okay. Um, I'm against it because I just think this is, uh, I think the bigger the deal you make about this, the bigger deal it becomes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's really young. Two or three is really young to bribe. So I I just don't, I mean, there's going to be plenty of bribery later in their (laughs) lives that I just don't think you need to start it now. This is a daily, everyday socialized human task. Like just, it doesn't have to be rewarded. You don't reward your child for learning to walk. You don't reward them with an M&M. Hey, you slept eight hours here, have an Mm M&M. We don't work like that. So I don't know why we do it here. That being said, if you're having super difficulty or you can't quite figure out if you're dealing with behavior or you're dealing with learning. So oftentimes a kid is struggling and you don't know, well, did they learn it or do, or are they just not capable of doing it for some reason? Then I say, well, let's try a reward because if they can do it for a reward, then they're yanking your chain. Okay. So, you know, in that sense, generally speaking though, I've had kids, the thing is, Casey, they're just, they're not dumb. So yeah. I had a kid meter out 40 nugget poops because he got two M&Ms for a poop. 
Oh my gosh. Well, I think it sends a message. (laughs) Yeah. And it sends a message of like, you can't do this without being rewarded for it. Right. I mean, that's what we do. Right. right. So, I mean, unless you're going to be the kind of parent who gives 20 bucks for an A, five bucks for setting the table, have at it. You know, I mean, if, and I always say, you know what, if it works for you, go for it. I'm not here to judge. I don't like to use it because I see the disasters. Nobody brags on Facebook about the disasters. Right. Nobody says, oh, hey, I tried rewards and guess what? We're in family therapy. Right. You know, so, and I see them though. So they exist. And I have people who have bought trips to Disney, redone a bedroom, new kitchen set, a bike, a candy jar on the back of the toilet and the kid's still not going. So right. back. It can backfire in the worst way and literally end up in family therapy because now you're struggling over a reward instead of a regular normal behavior. Yeah. And people that have listened to me a lot know that this comes up with so far beyond potty training. I think anytime we attach a reward to something, it's it's a short-term fix. Yes. It's a short-term fix. And ultimately, we're looking at the long-term. So. And I, and as far as consequences, so I have a whole behavior chapter in my book because okay. there's a lot about behavior. But as far as consequences, as a parent, you have to ascertain, you know, the kid doesn't get to rule this process. It is their process, but you're 75% of it. You're, mm-hmm. you're leading it. So if, you know, if your kid is like not listening to you and sits there and pees on your kitchen floor looking at you, mm-hmm. that's behavior. And you have to deal with that the same way you would deal with any other misbehavior. Mm-hmm. And I, I always say, I don't feel comfortable giving anybody measures of discipline, but in your house, you know, you have to, what would you do if your kid looked you in the eye and spilled his milk right out on the floor? So what would you do in that scenario? Do that if your child's misbehaving while potty training. Right. So there is misbehavior, and however you attend to that. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I appreciate I don't that. Don't recommend timeouts for no, while no. you're potty chaining because you'll get a revenge pee wherever the timeout is. Well, so, and I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I don't promote timeouts either. And I think that, you know, yeah. it's probably a relationship situation that's happening. And so starting there is a good place. Also, like, let them clean up their messes. What a great opportunity for them to practice getting out a sponge or getting out the mop and cleaning up and then, you know, having a conversation about, you know, tell me about what's going on for you. And I think too, this is a great place for parents to look at themselves, right. And notice Mm -hmm. what it is that they've been inviting into the relationship and start there. And if there's any needs to make amends around your own behavior, do it and move forward from that place. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, okay. So thank you for all of this great information. And I'm just thinking about all my people. So there was a lot of people who talk about how frustrating it can be when, oh my gosh, we had a a whole weekend and I thought we were there or a whole week, or even one person wrote in and said for two months, my child was doing so well. And then they just stopped doing well. And we're dealing with a lot of accidents. It sounds like there's kind of both and right. The yes, on the potty, but still having accidents, or one person wrote in about great out in the world, horrible at home, or great at home, horrible out in the world. Talk a little bit about, you know, you said at the beginning of the conversation that this is a process. So help help the listeners land that concept of this being a process. It is a process. Well, there's a, you're asking a couple of things. So there are regressions. So if your child did well on the weekend... 
If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. And then had accidents. You're not done. That's still process. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to have a couple of great days and a couple of bad days. You know, potty training. I I always say potty training is done when you have five consecutive thoughts that don't involve pee or poop. So there's like no dead end. You know what I mean? There's no absolute finish line because there's going to be new situations. There's going to be new circumstances. So number one, if you know, but if you go like two months and all of a sudden there's a backslide. So number one, you definitely want to look for has anything changed? Mm -hmm. Anything anything at all. And it can be minor. Remember the toddler's world is small. So these, it can be small. So obviously big, big things are a new baby, a divorce, financial strain, things like that are upsetting in the house. Other things, simply having a different daycare worker or a preschool teacher uh, switch hours Mm -hmm. that can, that can switch a child. Um, you I tell the story in the book that my son, there was, um, he, he started going to a new preschool when he was trained and they did, um, what do you call it? Uh, Dixie cups for snack time. So he just got a Dixie cup of water at snack time. He didn't know he could ask for more. So he only drank that. So he would come home and drink like, I don't know, 32 <laughs> ounces of water. And then like he had a couple accidents at night and I was like, what the heck is going on? And, and so I went to daycare and I was like, Oh, I just observed their routine. And I was like, dude, you need more water during the day. You know, and he was, he was like, I, I didn't, I, I finished mine. I was like, no, ask for more. So it can be something as minor as that. Yeah. Um, so I would look for those things. I, there's always what I call the honeymoon is over. So what happens is they've got it. You know, they've got it. Then you, you know they've got it. And then everybody stops asking and it just, it, it takes a back seat and they forget. Mm-hmm. So I always say, you know, it's like when you quit smoking, it's so great for like the first months because everybody's like, how you doing? How you doing? And you're a non-smoker and nobody cares anymore. Right. So like right. nobody's asking. So you have to go back to, in my book, I've arranged my book and call, I call blocks of learning. 
and for just this reason. So they're real quantifiable steps. So you know if one, you know, if they start having accidents, you go back to block one and run through the blocks again just to make sure something didn't trip them up. And it could be as simple, Casey, as all of a sudden they had sweatpants and now you have jeans with a snap and they don't know how to get a snap off fast enough. Mm-hmm. Do you know it could be clothing things? It could be they're just, you know, and, and some kids will really articulate, no, I'm done with potty training. I don't want to do it. <laughs> so, you know, you want to work that out with the child. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I love that. I love that. And I love that idea, uh, what you just shared about, like, just go back to those, those, those building blocks that you put in place in the beginning and start again. And it doesn't, it's not, you know, it's not a kid getting into mischief. One thing that came up, I know one of my listeners um, spoke about an older child that's having a hard time and they have a one-year-old sibling and mom is pregnant with number three. And as I read that, I just thought, oh my gosh, this is a child who my guess without being knowing the family or being involved in the family is probably a child who feels really displaced, not because anybody is a bad parent, but simply because they have a three and a half year old lens to see their world out of. And man, their world has changed and is changing. And then they're making meaning from that. And it's like, well, to be involved in this family, I got to be like the baby who wears a diaper and Absolutely. And I have a really good trick from that, um, for that. I call it, I call it baby love. And Mm -hmm. I had a client do this with me in social work. And then my son subsequently called it mama love, which is anytime the child needs to feel that baby, Mm -hmm. you can give them baby love. And so you kind of drop everything and snuggle them and do the whole like, Oh my little baby Mm -hmm. and pretend to like suck their fingers. You know what I mean? And and it lasts like 30 seconds and they get their full, their fill Mm. and then they move on. Yeah. And so it's a really valuable trick, especially when you have new babies in the mix. Aw, I love that. Yeah. Baby love. <laughs> Baby love. So, okay. So um, but I wanted to get back to oh, yeah. you. Go, go. Um, uh, you had asked about, oh, great at school struggles at home or vice versa. Yeah. Okay, so if your child is doing great at school and not at home, you have to examine what's going on. So you might be overbearing, overprompting. You also have to remember, and I'm sure you know this case, you know, the mark of a good parent is when your child's angelic with other people and craptastic for you. Yeah. So, and that means you're doing a really good job because they can act out against you. And that's what they're supposed to do because you're going to love them unconditionally. So they're going to save all their crappy behavior for you. So that might take some shoring up in either your boundaries or figuring out a relationship. Now, if they do great at home and they do crappy outside, that's probably just a new setting. Mm-hmm. And you have to, especially in daycare and preschool settings, you have to you have to kind of maybe even hang out for a day and see what happens because there's all kinds of nonsense that can happen at daycare. They can be hovering over the child, pressuring them too much. Potty situation can be too far removed. You know, I had one daycare that the potty was down the hall in a locked room. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't expect the newly potty trained to get there. <laughs> right, right. So you definitely want to figure out that situation. That makes sense. So I have one last little question around this, and that is the nighttime pull-ups. <laughs> yeah, that's like not a little question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, like for me, I mentioned at the beginning, you know, my son was good to go at 18 months, but I guess that's not entirely true because he, he would wear a pull-up at night because he slept so, well, this is my story, right? He slept so hard, he didn't know um, when he had to pee. And then 
when we were co-sleepers, da, 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 da. And then he moved to his own room and he wanted to come snuggle us. And we dropped the pull up and it was perfect because he'd come in to want it, which was fine with us. It worked for our family to come and sleep in our bed. And he, I would say, you can come in our bed as soon as you use the bathroom. And so he'd go use the bathroom and he'd come. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was kind of a natural, I guess, weaning off the night diaper. Um, and that was another question that came up a lot is it, you know, how long is too long? Da, da, da. You know, I mean, there's it, you're right. It's not a little question. Well, let me, let me try to give you some broad strokes and then I'll, okay, I'll definitely have a blog post called is sleep training really necessary. Perfect. Um, and it really lays all this out. So it really depends when you're starting potty training. So back in the day, you know, when I was, I'm 48, when I was potty trained, parents ditched the diapers all at once. Right. They woke the child one time when they went to bed, which really was like 10 or 1030 because there was no Netflix or cable. So like, or Facebook. So everybody was tired. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they feed the child once and then the child slept through. There was a collective consciousness that this could be done. We have created a different collective consciousness, which is that this is impossible. So I, it can't be done all at once, you know, just get rid of the diaper. But that's really overwhelming. So in my book, I separate it out. Mm-hmm. There's day training and night training. And I always say it's better to do it all at once, even though it's a more hellacious first week. Mm-hmm. But whatever. My if you're potty training under three, you have a little bit of wiggle room. So a lot of my clients, most people potty train around 24 months. And I always say, you want to leave a little window for the child to stay dry on their own. Mm-hmm. So you can absolutely keep the diaper on at first and see if they start staying dry. Because remember, this kid has no, you know, the minute you start potty training, this is their first notion of holding and consolidating that pee mm-hmm. until they get to the appropriate spot. So 12, 14 hours of sleep, that's a really long time to go. Um, so then, you know, then if they get to right around 33 to 36 months, And in that blog post, I give you a couple of things you can do to kind of help this process along to see if they'll stay dry on their own. But by 36 months, I say you have to really attend to it because if your child's still soaking their diaper through, Mm -hmm. you're not making any headway and they're not going to start staying dry on their own. The bladder is being formed between three and four years. If it is without any holding and consolidating. So think of it as a muscle and that muscle atrophies and the bladder walls thicken. So then you have a much higher percentage of having a long-term bedwetter. So I say, you got to nail it. Like around three, you have to start attending to it. And, you know, I regularly work with pediatricians who have six and seven-year-olds in nighttime diapers. So this is one of those that you kind of can't go, oh, wait till they're ready. You really do have to attend to it. Um, But I would definitely go, I would check out that blog post because that has that th- that has that this all laid out because it's very confusing when you try to awesome. talk it out. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that link is in the show notes, listener. Thank you so much. I did not know anything about bladder development. Like, yeah, wow. Well, who does? No, I mean, yeah, you do. I'm so <laughs> glad you shared. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, when you go to the pediatric journal of uh, of urology and like buy the abstracts <laughs> and hire a doctor to get you through the abstract because you're. I don't speak this language, (laughs) (laughs) but that's, I mean, it makes, you know, knowing that it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. So, ah, Jamie, I'm so glad to finally have you on and to hear your wisdom around all of this. I have learned so much. Yeah. And I always end with the question, this question. And so I'd love to ask you, what does joyful courage mean to you? 
in the context of what you do with parents. You know, Casey, I just want to let all your listeners know that you let me know you were going to ask this question, and this was, like, stymied. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you told me beforehand. Because <laughs> I too. really thought about it. Because I was like, I love it. So Joyful Courage, I think, to me, is it's such a reminder. We have to be so courageous as parents. We have to be mm. so brave, and we have to constantly be evaluating ourselves. And so the Joyful just reminds me to keep it light, you know? That yeah. this is all just so great. And even in our worst, you know, even in our worst potty training nightmare, it's still so great. Yeah. <laughs> so it, to me, it's just keep it light. Keep our, keep our courage light. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that for sure. So where can listeners find you and follow your work? And please share the title of your book oh, that okay. Christina so the- Ricci mentioned on the Today oh. Show. Did you see that? that <laughs> I did. Awesome? I saw your link to it. I think you posted something about it, but that was exciting. It's every oh, every parent somebody, educator's dream, right? <laughs> somebody gave me a heads up. They were like, uh, Christina Ritchie just gave your book a shout out on Live with Kelly. And it wasn't awesome. aired yet in, in my town. So I put it, I, I, I went to a friend's house. I don't have network TV. And I went to my friend's house and I videotaped it with my phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So it's called Oh Crap Potty Training, named for the look on parents' faces. When, <laughs> not, not the crap itself. And uh, jamieklowacki.com has all my blog posts, all the YouTube channels, all the podcasts. It's available right on the website. We do have, I have a slew of consultants that are trained by me personally that you can book if you're really struggling. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have the Facebook page and I do live Zoom meetings. So there's a live Zoom meeting happening actually this Saturday at 10, which is I take 10 people and we do a video conference and I work one-on-one with you. And that's available on the website. Yeah, it's all there. Okay, great. Well, I will send listeners there. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for humoring on my long poop (laughs) answers. (laughs) All right, all right. If you're like me, then there were a few new little tidbits of information that you took away from that conversation. Thank you again to Jamie for spending time with me. Uh, I wish that I would have had her back in the day when I was potty training because I just feel like she's a really sound voice, right? Like she's just not frantic. And I feel like it's so easy to become overwhelmed by what can look like the challenge of potty training. And Jamie's just such a great supporter of all parents. So yay. Yay. Let me know what your takeaways are. You can share on the Joyful Courage page or the Live in Love with Joyful Courage group. You can find Joyful Courage on Instagram as well as Twitter, or you can just send me a direct email at Casey at joyfulcourage.com. I love, love, love hearing from my listeners. So please feel free to reach out with feedback, with thoughts, gratitude, wonders, whatever. I love to hear from you. Uh, Speaking of wonders, I'm wondering if you all know that I have started to show up regularly on Facebook Live on the Joyful Courage Facebook page. I am. I'm showing up each and every Tuesday, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And what I'm doing is I'm going to make my way through the Positive Discipline Tool Card deck. Positive Discipline Tool Cards are like a deck of cards and each card has a different PD tool 
on it. So I'm going to do little short videos every week that just dig a little bit deeper into each of those tools. Super excited to connect with you in a whole new way regularly. Like that's the key. I know I say like, I'm going to do Facebook live and then I never show up. So yes, Tuesdays, 10 PM, I'm sorry, 10 AM Pacific standard time. I will be there and hope that you will join me. Also super excited because the end of this week, the end of this week on Saturday, Joyful Courage registration opens. I'm sorry, the Living Joyful Courage membership program registration opens. I'm opening the doors for new members to join in on the magic of the membership program. Could that be you? I hope so. You can be a member for as little as $39 a month, $39 a month. And every month you get an, a, a, a webinar you get um, access to weekly coaching calls. You get access to a discussion forum full of like-minded parents who are there to support and celebrate each other. You get access to weekly emails around content and um, access to me. So consider that. Think about that. $39 a month. That is a heck of a deal for the amount of support that you get in that community. Um, so check it out. You can go to joyfulcourage.com slash living JC, joyfulcourage.com slash living dash JC. And there you can join the, um, the information list and I'll be making sure to let you know, Hey, now's the time to sign up so that you can get in on that action. All right. Also doing a giveaway this month, uh, for every time you share one of the podcasts and tag me, Casey O'Rourke or Joyful Courage, your name will be put into a pot, into a drawing. And I am drawing for a free membership. Yeah. So free membership could be yours, could be yours. So share, share, share. You can enter as many times as you want to win. You just got to share the podcast. And yes, that is a win-win for me because I am looking to impact 1 million kids this year and I cannot do it without you. So do your part and share the work, give back. That'd be amazing. I would so appreciate it. And finally, finally, I'm really excited this week. This week, I'm going to do some extra little tidbits on the podcast. Actually, tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, I'm going to be speaking into questions from the community about the zero to five crowd. So this conversation with Jamie was intentionally placed on this particular Tuesday as we head into a deeper dive into the experience of raising a child under the age of five. So I'm really excited that's going to be available for people who are subscribed to the podcast. You have to be subscribed to the podcast to access those shows. And all you got to do to subscribe is head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Play, search for the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast and click subscribe. If you're already getting it, um, uh, if you are already getting the show automatically each week, then you're a subscriber and you will get the shows um, for the zero to five training. All right. Yay. I'm excited. I'm excited to offer that and be in contribution to you. Humongous love to each and every one of you. So grateful for this community and the support and the sharing that you do of the Joyful Courage work. Really, really deep gratitude for all of you. Have a beautiful day. You are the perfect parents for your kids and I'll see you next week. 
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.